0: The ancient Chinese believed that the heart was the center of human cognition, and therefore the heart and the mind are one. Wellness Continuing offers spiritual tools and resources to elevate your heart-mind. At wellnesscontinuing.com, you'll find meditation music with binaural beats, a podcast all about consciousness in the afterlife, blog posts, and a new series called Dreamtime with Catherine Clairvoyant and much more. Sign up for the Wellness Continuing newsletter and stay updated about new offerings and resources. Visit wellnesscontinuing.com. Wellness Continuing. Elevate your heart-mind. Welcome to Life Continuing, conversations that explore consciousness, healing, and infinite existence. I'm Tanya Berg. What would happen if an atheist visited the afterlife? Once an atheist, now an intuitive medium, Ray Catania discusses his life story in the book called The Atheist and the Afterlife, which includes a tumultuous traumatic childhood and young adult life. His near-death experience, and a massive transformation from a total non-believer to a gifted intuitive medium and spiritual life coach on his wondrous path towards enlightenment ray is also a master certified life coach and certified meditation instructor he has an m.a in metaphysical parapsychology from the university of sedona and is in the process of completing his phd Ray's also a developing psychic medium with abilities he continues to work on and learn with his highly accomplished mentors. Listen now as Ray shares his story and his previous reluctance to the reality of non-local consciousness, as well as his unique theory of dark energy. Welcome Ray, welcome to the show. It's so wonderful to have you here.
1: Thank you so much, Tanya. Thank you for having
0: me. We're here to talk about your wonderful book, The Atheist and the Afterlife. Now, I love this type of contrast, and which is evident in your book, because you continue to question your experiences. You question the evidential information that you were receiving in a mediumistic way, and only upon the validation were you able to accept the fact that you are a clairvoyant medium.
1: Mm, And something I didn't really want to accept right away, um, aside from being a lifelong atheist and skeptic um, up until my own NDE. And, and even thereafter, for a, quite a while, I still suppressed that NDE and, and, and refused to, I kind of justified it because life was easier if it wasn't real. I didn't have to deal with it and figure it out, right? so um yeah I, I went through this period of even though things were happening and i would acknowledge them and in some cases saved my life um but yet just thought that well i have this really good intuition and i and i just kind of know when to get out of here or something or or don't cross the street or what have you but i never thought it was anything more than that. And even if I did, I would have refused to believe it.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, My own impressions from my own experiences, um, because I'm trained in energetic medicine, um, is that it's natural and it's personal. Mm. And I think you can relate to that. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about just briefly how you Mm -hmm. perceive it being natural. Because, for example, the experiences that I have had, they just they just feel normal. They don't really feel mystical, even though when you talk about them and try to explain them, it sounds crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Right? For lack of a better term.
1: So so well said, (laughs) because I found myself saying that so many times. Yeah. So if you go all the way back to the early days, like when I was a kid, um i you know uh, i would see and hear i would i would sort of have like you know how kids have imaginary friends well you know mine were able to just kind of answer me i guess but that seemed perfectly normal until i told someone who told someone who told someone and then uh, of course that uh, came back at me but you know um before that um i thought everybody could do this like i didn't think it was a thing And then I was uh, chastised for it. And then of course I was like, okay, you're not real. You can't be real. I'm told you can't be real. And that's that, so see ya. And even though I tried to cast them aside, they would still come and they would still, you know, look out for me and tell me things. And eventually they were right so many times that I was just like, I don't know what this is, but I'm just gonna go along for the ride and accept it.
0: Right. and then the other part of it is that it's personal. What I find with these, when consciousness opens up, let's say, I find that it it is, it can be for the benefit of others if you use it as a, a, a type of work and and you of mm-hmm. service if you use sure. it as uh, for service, but it's also very much a part of our own inner growth. Yes. So it's personal. Exactly. So. Yeah, you your your book talks about all of the history and how everything started for you, and how it was very personal for you, and how it helped you grow. Mm-hmm. There were two life paths, two paths life. you were. On. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Well said. Yeah. I. Uh, so my life path um, post NDE, I would put myself in very um, dangerous situations um, because I didn't fear death. Anymore, I, I felt like I had seen it. I've been there, it was great. Uh, don't really worry about going back. I didn't have anyone depending on me, I didn't have children yet, or a spouse, or anything like that. So, I tend to put myself in these situations. And when things would get bad, as you read in the book, like the shootout and stuff like that, the, the, the my imaginary friends, quote unquote, would come to me and say, back door side door side door was side door side door and you know that turned out to be the right thing to do um so it would always seem like at the last minute somebody or something was there to kind of scoop me up and get me out of there so um it was like a cat having nine lives I, i think i've had about 18 or so and and still counting so, and, and obviously, when I did have the NDE, uh, that wasn't even the moment for me to, to go, really, um, because I, I returned from that. So th- there's something that, um, that grew into me having to accept the fact that I'm here, that I have this, and I have to use it for good. And it wasn't until I came to that realization some 25 years later, you know, uh, in my late 40s, that I accepted that as truth and I started to pursue my own education.
0: Right. And you're very well educated. Very well. You have a PhD in uh, metaphysical parapsychology. Psychology. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. From the University of Sedona. Um, I actually still have to complete my dissertation. So it's PhD C. I got to put that little C there for now. Yeah. But um, yeah, I uh, I learned so much. The, the metaphysical parapsychology is um, often misunderstood. Um, metaphysics um, is, you know, um, reality outside of our world outside of our five senses um, deals with life death and consciousness as i'm sure you know and then parapsychology is more clairvoyance esp mind matter interactions so the two together i just I, i was so fascinated by it and i just read everything i could get my hands on and listen to as many experts as I could. And I've had two mentors over the past three years that I'm still with. Um, so I, um, I became somewhat obsessed, if you will, uh, with gaining all the knowledge that I possibly could. And I think that stems from my skepticism, because no matter how many things transpired, no matter how many uh, you know things that were just simply undeniable and impossible for me to know, and yet I know these things, I would still revert back to, well, maybe I got lucky, maybe this, maybe that, maybe this, maybe that. And it took so long for me to actually publish the book because of that reason. It's um, there's a lot of skepticism and, and it reads in the book. I put it in there every time. How can this be real? How, what, you know, what makes it real? And then I also put in the book what I think makes it real to the best of my ability. I came up with my theories of where we go when we die and things of that nature, because I felt like I needed that to solidify it and to make it allow it to be real, not make it to be real, but allow it to be real.
0: Yes. And that's what a lot of people have trouble with. And it's not a, it's a bumpy road. It's not a smooth ride to try and oh, go yeah. from atheist to you know believer. Um, let's talk about your near death experience because that's okay. of course of wide fascination for people. Um, and that I know, triggered a whole new world for you as well.
1: Oh, I sure did. Um, yeah. So, the uh, story is that I was uh, asleep in my bed. I was approximately 20 or so. And um, I remember the night before I called out to work the next day, it was. It must've been a weekend, parents were home and my bedroom was located right above the kitchen. So um, there was a, ultimately a fire in the house and what triggered the fire was there was a gas leak from the stove and the gas was rising. So it was going right into me, right into my lungs. And I was breathing it for who knows how long. It was actually the gas that killed me, not smoke, not fire, not anything else. So the fumes, the gas fumes had been rising. And in the morning, I guess my mom got up and turned on the stove and it just went, kind of blew up, but then it, it went out very quickly. Um, or they made it go out very quickly. And by the time the fire trucks had arrived, um, the fire was out. So they didn't make a big deal out of it, right. But everybody forgot that I was still sleeping upstairs, and I was inhaling gas fumes, possibly all night long. So when I heard the commotion downstairs, I, I tried to get up, and I couldn't, I was paralyzed, like, almost Three quarters of my body was paralyzed and I and I knew something was wrong, including my mouth. So like I couldn't yell. Um, It was really scary. So I knew that I had to get up somehow and one arm worked and I kept pulling myself, trying to get myself to the edge of the bed, trying to get there. And I would pass out again and then I would wake up and pull a little bit more, make another four inches, pass out. And then finally I got to the edge of the bed and I fell out. So they must've heard this loud thump downstairs. And that triggered my father to run upstairs and see what was wrong. And he had found me on the floor. But before I had even hit the floor, I was not in that body anymore. Now I'm above it. I'm sort of close to the ceiling, but not quite. And this, I remember this vividly like it was yesterday. Um, And you, I had this white spotlight on me. That's the way, uh, best way I can describe it. Like a spotlight, you're on a stage and you have this beautiful, big white light that's just surrounding you. And I was looking down um, at my dad screaming, crying for the paramedics to come upstairs. My son, my son, help my son. At the end of the light, there was a a being who said, Ray, it's okay to come into the light. And I don't know why I believed him or her. um, But I just started to gravitate into it. And as you go deeper in the feeling of euphoria intenses, and it's like, I have no words to describe other than euphoria, it's the best word I've got. Um, But if you could take euphoria, and you know, square it. That's, that's the way it feels. It's amazing. Absolutely. No pain. Um, you just feel this overwhelming sensation of peace. And I really wanted to go to the end of the light. I really did. Um, but then I looked back at my dad, I didn't go that far. And I looked back at my dad and I said, I said to the being, I can't leave him like that. Now he and I never really had a great relationship. And I think that When I saw him crying that if I went back, you know, oh, he really does love me, you know, let me go back and maybe we can have that relationship that I didn't have. And that's why I went back. So when I woke up, the light was gone, the being was gone. I'm not in that room anymore. I woke up in the living room floor and all the paramedics are working on me and they're doing their things. And um, I don't know what, you know, blood pressure paddles, all this other stuff. And i'm like guys guys i'm fine i'm fine like when i woke up i felt great i still carried some of that euphoria so i'm like i'm fine what are you doing here why are you here did you see the light did you hear the voice that was amazing wasn't it and then they start looking at me like i'm nuts right and i said oh my god here we go i better just shut my mouth otherwise they're gonna put me in the wrong hospital one that i don't want to go to um so i just i shut it down and um i um was driven off to the to the hospital. And for it's my understanding, I didn't know this at the time. But uh, my mother was in the police car behind the ambulance. And she said it kept pulling over. Um, And they would just say, and she would be like, What's wrong? What's wrong? And they would say, Well, we're working on him. And I guess what happened was I flatlined multiple times on the way to the to the hospital. Um, So the experience, you know, after I came home, um or you know probably even before that the pain sets in right and it's like a bomb goes off inside your body and then i was just like back to reality and i was like oh my god i made the wrong choice why didn't i go into the light that was so phenomenal i came back to this crap Uh, i i want to do over i want to do over i want to do over and um and that was my uh my feeling about it but um I didn't tell, I told maybe one or two people, it did not go over. Well, I left it be, um, never brought it up again. Again, just like the beginning when I was talking to the imaginary friends, I got that same um, crazy reaction to it. I shut it down. Um, but in the back of my mind, I knew something happened and, and I just could not, you know, as much as I tried to justify it. And I really did. And I think I explained this in the book. Um, I figured I inhaled so much gas. I was hallucinating the white light could have been the sun shining through the window because of where I fell, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So, um, I justified it away and, but it was always in the back of my mind and I knew it was something because it was just too powerful to be nothing
0: they say that in NDE research, that there are after effects for experiencers. So electrical sensitivity, clairvoyance, is that something you experienced right after?
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Things got very clear, if you will. I was able to, um, it was a short time after, I'll tell you a story. I, I had gotten like my first really nice bachelor pad. And you know, I'm still in my young 20s. And I think this is awesome. And my roommate's never there. He's always with his girlfriend someplace else. So I got this nice place to myself. And um, I was convinced it was completely haunted, because they would just drive me nuts. I would see the line shooting across the room, I would get the feeling of energy in the room, I'd get the deep vibrations, I'd start to, you know, Kind of tremble inside and i know someone's here my lights are flickering my tv goes off i remember one case i was on the phone with one of my best friends and i said i think i live in a haunted place and the phone clicked out at that moment and i I called him back i said did you hang up he goes no i thought that was you so they just messed with me as much as they possibly could and so i left that apartment thinking that that's going to leave that's going to be left behind right but I get to the new apartment and I get the same stuff all over again. So it's not the apartment, it's Ray. They're following me because they know I can see them now. And this was a really, really difficult time for me because I really did not want to believe in this at all. So um, alcohol would help me shut it down and boy, did I use it. Um, So uh, years went by And um, before I, again, would accept it as real, but it was there again, I just guess I didn't want it to be real.
0: Right. And that's the case for many people. Um, I think a lot of people are reluctant, especially in your younger years, you're Mm. still here to experience life. You haven't even tasted life yet. So to have this kind of big, profound ability and with it becomes a responsibility. Hmm.
1: It's
0: uh, not the best timing <laughs> for young yeah, people.
1: <laughs> that combined, you know, with the religious upbringing and this is bad, this is wrong. So I must be bad and I must be wrong. And I had to like really just separate completely from that. I, I had already been an atheist at that point in time um before the NDE and then that started that was like the beginning of me going all right maybe there's a little more here that I need to you know explore and then it was years later of course when I meet Jessica we fall in love I think it was maybe two or three months into the relationship mind you Jessica's a doctor of psychology by trade that's her day job and um after we meet we have this typical discussion that I think all couples have. So, what are your religious beliefs? You know, we want to see if we're on the same page. You know, we have kids and whatnot. Um, so, I said, you know, I, I really don't know. This has always been something I want to look into. Um, and I'm not telling her, she's a doc. I'm not telling her that I had an NDE and I had imaginary friends. She's going to run for the hills. She's going to think I'm frigging nuts. Excuse me. Um, so, yeah, I just, uh, again, I, I don't say anything. And and she says, you know, I'm going to help you out with this. I'm going to get you what's called a spiritual clearing. And I have no idea what this is. She goes, I'm gonna buy that for you for your birthday. And I was like, Ah, great, lovely. Um, we'll have cake too, right? After whatever this is. and You know, so I didn't think it was a big deal. I didn't think I didn't even know it was a thing. I had no idea what to expect. Um, So it's done and I don't have to be present for it, but I, I know that it's going to happen because the energy healer calls me first, tells me what's going to happen. Don't book any important appointments on that day. You know, um, I still have my day job. I'm at the top of my game at the, the highest position I can have in that company. And okay, I'll cancel my appointments. I'll play along with you. The... Healing is done and I completely forget about it. But now what happens is I'm wobbly, like my equilibrium is off. I'm dropping things and I'm making silly mistakes. You know how you have one of those days, but I started the day, it was great. And then she did it at 10 o'clock. And then by 11 o'clock, I felt off. That's the only way I could really describe it. The second day was even worse. And then by the third day, I was kind of like back to normal or what I thought was normal. And she was in contact with me the whole way and i told her you know everything i felt and so by day three um i'm feeling relatively normal i don't remember exactly how much time goes by but it's a matter of weeks um before i get my first premonition my first vision um my first um, vision where i could not deny it was real and not real anymore um so a man comes to me and i see this on a movie screen in my mind you know i'm not seeing with my eyes and i'm not hearing with my ears i'm not schizophrenic i'm seeing it on a movie screen with my third eye and it plays out like a scene and the man kind of gets up and he turns slowly towards me and says i fucked up i made a mistake you can help her i cannot i have no idea who the man is I have no idea what he's talking about, but Jessica's in the scene here and she's kind of to my left. I'm not in it, I, but I'm. But it's like, um, you know how uh, Woody Allen addresses the audience like you're part of the movie? It was kind of like that, yes. right? So I'm sitting there, but I'm, they're talking to me. Jessica's there and whatever they're looking at, whatever this it is, um, she finds horrific. So she's got a look of horror. So I know that this is a serious thing, but I still just don't acknowledge it as being anything other than a daydream until it happens again. And that, that's five minutes later. And then 20 minutes later, it would happen again. Every time I was idle, I would see the same eight second video loop and it went on all night. I woke up the next day. I was like, okay, start fresh, it's a new day. There he was again, and again, and again, and again. Now I'm conflicted, right? Because am I losing my mind? Um, I'm not putting this together with the spiritual clearing yet. Um, The third day, at the end of the third day, it was about five o'clock, I'm in a store and I'm paying for merchandise and the girl behind the counter goes, I'm just, I'm frozen with my credit card in hand. And she goes, are you okay? Cause I'm seeing it again. I I'm, I'm starting to not be able to function in the real world. And I said, I said, I don't think I am. And I paid and I went to my car and I took a deep breath and I was like, all right, if I'm crazy, I got to bring this to Jess. She's a professional and I can get the help I need if I really am crazy. Right? So I bring her the story. And I say, listen, I don't really know how to say this exactly, but I kind of like, well, there's this movie and it plays over and over and you're in it. And there's this guy and he says this and I don't really know why or what's happening, but it just won't stop. I need to turn it off. And she said, oh, is it my dad? And I said, well, no, why would it? be your dad um, I saw that it didn't look like your dad this guy had a full beard mustache and he was stockier and you know um, a lot of hair and the picture I saw that was on your desk doesn't really match up that's that's not him so she goes yeah well that picture he had lost a lot of weight and shaved let me send you a, a regular photo and she texts it over and I look at it and I'm like oh my god you know this guy and she's like that's my dad silly now, she had had a reading maybe a decade earlier, um, which was a very profound experience for her because she was able to connect with him. And that medium who is very, very famous told her that your, your dad is unlike other, other spirits. Like he is a powerhouse. He can come through and really let himself be known. I've never experienced anything like that, he said to her. So she was open to this and understood this. So after I explained it to her, she says, oh, maybe you're a psychic medium and you don't even know it. And I was like, don't even kid around like that. Hon. I would never want to bear that burden. And that was the end of the conversation. But it went away now. As soon as I told her, the second I told her the story, it was gone. I felt perfect. I didn't see it again. I didn't feel it after that. It wasn't bothering me. It wasn't ruining my day. It was just gone. And that was the beginning of the realization that this is more than that. And then the next, maybe two days, three days later, he meaning her father starts bringing me other people to give me messages. And now, I'm like, well, I got another one. It's this guy, and he looks like this, and da 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 da. And he wants to tell his wife that you know he's really sorry about the money and blah blah blah. And I don't I don't know who this is or who it's for. Maybe you have an idea. And she goes, oh, I know exactly who that is. Uh, you know this that's relatively fresh, and she's going to love to hear that. And I said, well, if please do not say it came from me. I do I, do not want anyone to think this is me. And she said, "Okay." And I said, "Oh, by the way, he said one more thing before he left. He said this. He said, "Remember the silly shoes." I said, "If that means anything to your friend, then maybe I'll believe this is legit." So she comes back after having dinner with her, she comes back and she's like half in tears and she's like You have no idea how much that message meant to her. It meant the world. It was everything she needed to hear. And I said, okay, okay, great. But, uh, what about that other thing? I said, oh, she goes, the shoes, she goes, that was their first date. He wore the silliest shoes that she ever saw. And they made fun of it through the, it was a running joke through the whole marriage. And I was like, oh my God, let, please. No, 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 don't let this be real and then i kept getting more and more and they were very vivid and very clear and it almost became natural as you said earlier and that was the beginning
0: and it's still going and it's still
1: going oh yeah still going <laughs>
0: yeah so the
1: next step after that was she said there's a, a another very very good medium coming to town she's not usually around why don't we make two appointments with her and you can ask her all your questions. And I was like, that's a great idea. Um, so we did and we got there and I immediately went in first, because if I didn't go first, I have listen, I've never had a reading because I don't believe in this stuff. I keep telling these people on the movie screen, I don't believe you're real go away and they won't leave me. And you know, so here I am about to walk in to meet a medium for the very first time in my life ever who I also don't believe in. And I'm gonna sit in a chair, I'm gonna tell about my craziness, And I tell her everything and I give her the details and she's listening and listening. And she stops me after the first story and she says, that is exactly the way I see it too. And I was like, uh-oh, I told her the second story. She said, that is exactly the way I see it too. And this means this, and this means that, and this is this. The second you gave the information, the feeling went away, right? You felt calm. That's because you have to deliver it. And I was like, okay, two for two. I told her a third one. And she, again, that's how it works. And I was like, okay, so what the heck do I do now? And she's like, kind of like blew me off in that moment. It was just like, well, you know, um, I don't know, see. And I was like, well, do you have a business card? She's like, no, but my book's out there. I was like, Oh, okay. So I left, then Jess goes in and she comes out and she has an awesome experience. And they're, they're talking not just about me, but you know, other things and people came through for her, like her dad, who always does. And um, she comes out and she's like, so when are you going to start working with her? And I was like, working? She didn't even like, like me, I thought. She's like, no, 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 you're going to be one of her students. And she doesn't take students anymore. And I was like, you're kidding me. She didn't say anything like that. She wouldn't even give me her phone number. She goes, don't worry. She knows what she's doing. And I was like, of course she does. She knows something I don't know. And our paths cross again. And sure enough, she was my first teacher. And I'm very grateful for her.
0: Let's talk about the science, because this delights me also. (laughs) Okay. Interesting point that you made about trauma being linked to mediumship.
1: Mm -hmm. So yeah, that stems from the many mediums that I've spoken with. And it seems that we all have that underlying common denominator, that's trauma. And I think what happens um, scientifically during trauma, we know that the person who's in the trauma having the traumatic situation tries to escape their current reality so that they're not there and they're in another reality. And after enough times, you're going to break through the veil and you're going to go into that reality. Um, And I, you know, really hope that everybody does not have to go through that to to have that connection because it's not the best way. But it was the way I think a lot of my friends did and me as well
0: winbridge research center uh Mm. dr julie bischel she did a study in 2018 looking at the connection between trauma and mediumship and trauma and disease and it looked Mm. like to validate what you're saying trauma seems to be the um factor in both disease and mediumship that was the bottom line i mean it was quite a quite extensive study but that was the bottom line so it was interesting that you added that into your book because there is research there is science behind it people are looking into this
1: right right and and and, and we you know the more i've i've spoken about it with my mentors and and fellow students you know we we all they're all different types not everybody discusses their traumas of course you know but they will say that yes i had you know something that pushed me through and um it's like you're trying to get out of your body and your current reality and you find yourself in another one. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. And I just hope that, you know, I'm trying to work on better ways for other people to break through than have trauma through meditation, of course, and things like that. Um, and, uh, but at the end of the day, a lot of us did do it that way, unfortunately.
0: However, on the other side of it, I mean, that's where we can be of service to one another to help each other heal and to help each other turn that around,
1: right? Absolutely. To take the trauma,
0: and the attachment to it, etc. I mean, and and grow with it and and become yes. these these wonderful beings that we all are and live to yeah. our full potential. So there is there is beauty in it.
1: There's ton of beauty in trauma, and I try to say that all the time. Um, I do coaching one-on-one, and we break down the trauma. And I'll ask the question: Well, if that had not occurred, would you have? Would you be here? You know, at this level of your whatever career or what have you? And the answer is no, all the time, because something in those traumatic moments triggered you to be better, stronger. You're able to deal with more. Um, you know, whatever it was it propelled you into the person that you currently are. So use that as fuel, use that. Don't, you're not a victim at all. You're blessed. Take it and use it and run with it because if you take away all the tragedies and all the trauma, I'm not sitting here with you right now, right? I'm, uh, and if I am, I'm just a talking head because I didn't experience anything. So. I've had to have those experiences in order to be here right now with you. Um, and other people, it's the same thing. They had to experience those traumas in order to get to where they are. When you reframe it in in that way, they, you know, see it as more of a blessing and less of a curse. Of course it's horrific when it happens, there's no question, but if we, we subtract them from our lives, we're a different person.
0: Right. Right, exactly. Quantum consciousness. Mm. I love that chapter. <laughs> you, re- you really, you really talked about a lot of different uh, areas of science and uh, and Nikola Tesla as well. Give me some bits and pieces of that.
1: Oh my God, Nikola Tesla! Uh, he is one of the most fascinating men I've ever read about. Um, he, his famous quote, of course, is: "If you um, want to know the secrets of the universe." look in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And that is so amazingly true. I found that to be true before I found Tesla, because um, everything can literally be broken down into one of those three things, right? Energy is in all matter. Um, Einstein taught us that matter can become energy, energy can become matter. And Our conscious mind is made of energy. One thing that we know about energy is the first law of thermodynamics, and this is scientific, this is not for me, is that all energy transforms. It doesn't come into existence. It doesn't cease to exist. It transforms into something else. So we have a finite amount of energy in the universe, and it changes its form. So now, if your conscious and consciousness is made of energy, and I think we can literally, you know, it's safe to say that that is the case. When you die, what does that transform into? Right. And it kind of hit me one day because I was I was studying Einstein and he was explaining, or I was reading about his explanation of how he found that the universe is expanding instead of contracting, like it should be technically. Uh, If you just pay attention to uh, Newtonian physics, then technically everything should be coming together, not pushing apart. And Hubble confirmed his theory later on in life. And um, what we found is that there must be some sort of energy that's pushing everything out so we have an energy that when it dies we have no idea where it goes and then we have this other energy that we have no idea how it comes into existence but it's everywhere around us so i just kind of put two and two together i don't think i'm a a genius or anything but it makes perfect sense that you die and you become this dark energy which is floating around the universe expanding it, making it larger. And as we die, we are putting more dark energy into that universe. Um, I'm I'm certainly willing to admit, I might be way off, but it just seems to come together and make sense. I don't know.
0: I like that theory. It makes sense to me.
1: And I think- Even people people that hated the book still said that that's plausible. You know, like even even right. the worst critics were were like, but at the end of the day, he's really got this kind of like really good theory on death.
0: <laughs> well, the thing is, too, I think from your experience, your inner knowing, that connection you have, I think that's giving you the, the clues. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, you're you're definitely I think you're bringing in some great information that is very has a lot of truth in it. For sure. As
1: I found that my consciousness can connect with the universal consciousness, which is connected to all living beings, um, that where does that sit? Like, so where is that? Um, and we know it's everywhere and we also know dark energy is everywhere. So again, it just, it was another piece of the puzzle that started to fill in and come together and just kind of make sense.
0: I think yeah i and when i was reading that my impression was it's just the dark energy is just that realm if i can say that we just can't interpret because our our sixth sense isn't open enough right exactly
1: exactly yep we can't see it we can't feel it we can't touch it but we know it's there um sounds like something else that we know right
0: exactly yep You got it. Uh, So tell me then about your services, because you have a wonderful business that you've created out of all of this. Tell me Mm -hmm. what you offer.
1: Um, So as a metaphysics coach, I help people to realize the um, universal laws that exist that anyone can utilize to enhance their own lives, law of attraction, law of vibration um, how to get into deep meditation. And even I take people from that have never meditated before to people who have been doing it for 10 years. I have a full spectrum of people. Um, and we use different types of meditations to achieve different goals. There's meditations for manifestation. There's medif- uh, excuse me, meditation for anxiety. I mean, we have a meditation for everything. Um, but what we do is it's more about, where you are today when you come to me this is where you are today and when you progress or leave you are in a heightened state of consciousness ready to do all the things that it is that you want to do because life really is limitless and there's no reason to fear death or not having money or not having this because you can ask for not even ask for you can tell that you want it and get it, you are part of this universe, you can create, no one does it, you know, because their belief system that was formulated from other people, which programs our subconscious leads us to believe we can't do these things, you really can. Um, If I can do it, anybody can do it. I'm not that bright. Anyone can do it. Trust me. So I'm basically just teaching people how to take those principles, take those laws, find inner peace and get everything they want out of life. In a nutshell.
0: (laughs) I, I find that the word limitless, there's a lot of power in that word and it just lights me up. Yeah. It's a great word. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And you also have a publishing company.
1: Yeah, so um, I did choose to self-publish. Um, the book deals are not very lucrative, I guess you could say. So I decided to do my, my own publishing company and publish my books through there. Uh, the Atheist and the Afterlife was the first. The second I hope to have published by the end of March. And the second one is going to be more of, um, well, the, the first one is how did I get here? And then the second one is what to do with it now, right? So it's kind of more of an educational type. How do you use the uh, abilities to your advantage? Open up Sixth Sense, dig in, dive in, go for it. Um, so that's going to be the second book. And um, I don't know if I'll publish other people's works, but I'm open to it. Uh, I'm open to exploring that, but I really had just done it um, to get a better deal on my on my own book. Um, and to maintain ownership, you know, which I feel is very, very important. So um, everybody, I think every single person should write a book because everyone has a very unique story to tell and getting it published, um, I think is important because like you said earlier, we learn from each other, right? Not just um you don't have to be a medium or have any kind of you know special stuff you know you've learned things throughout your life regardless of what walk of life you've come from and there's a lot of great nuggets of information that if you take them and you put them all together you can have a great book that others can appreciate and learn from
0: I agree with that and I'd love to have you back for that second book
1: I'd love to come come back I would love to absolutely (laughs)
0: would be great i'm really looking forward to the next book and your growth we're always in motion everything's dynamic and we're Mm -hmm. always growing and learning and that's what i got from your book as well is that this is a to be continued oh yeah there's so much more to explore
1: yeah i try to take the reader along on the journey so as i experienced it i would write about it so that's why you'll notice sometimes i had to go back because some of these things had terms um, in the psychic world that I wasn't aware of at the time that I wrote it. Um, I I wrote something, a chapter called Video On Demand, which is actually remote viewing, but I didn't know that I was remote viewing. I just knew I could see things. So I called it Video On Demand. That made sense to me. And then as I got educated and I learned, I learned that that's what it's really called. And I kind of like remote viewing. It's a lot of fun, actually. Um, one One of the things I like Yeah, I don't like everything, but I like that. It's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no.
0: (laughs) Now, this has been an amazing conversation. I'm just, yeah, I'm still taking in (laughs) everything that you've shared now. And I'm still kind of processing your book because there's so many aspects that you talk about. Um, There's things I related to. So I really appreciate your story. Thank you for having it out there. Thank you for the service that you're doing. And um, I'm looking forward to more.
1: Thank you so much, Tanya. I really appreciate you having me. I'm honored and grateful to be here and I hope to do it again.
0: Thanks for listening to Life Continuing. A special thanks to Ray Catania. For more on Ray and to purchase his book, please visit LimitlessPublications.com. The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. Make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow on Instagram at Life Continuing Podcast. And visit wellnesscontinuing.com for spiritual tools and resources to elevate your heart mind. And do join me next time where we'll continue this conversation about life continuing.